0: Welcome to Dunzo. This is a podcast that explores hookups and breakups of famous lovers and friends, both real and fake, and all the discarded pop culture of yesteryear. I'm your host, Troy McKeady. You guys, welcome to episode 158 of Dunzo. It is me, Troy McKeady, and we are taking the tiniest, tiniest of detours from spooky season because I got to talk about this goddamn big brother. This goddamn big brother that keeps me up at night. God damn it. Why? Why, 2020, did you take away everything I love? Ugh! I just got to vent. I need to rant. I need to get all this shit off my chest and just know that I did it. Like I'm doing this selfishly. I just need to know that I sat in front of the microphone and expelled these thetans from my body. I'm recording this episode a mere minutes after watching the historic triple eviction. And I can say with 100% certainty that I am a year older having sat through it. I'm a year older, liver spots are starting to show, they're raising to the surface of the skin, my hands look like that like geriatric gypsy that Kyle Richards thought stole her mom's rings, <laughs> my hair's thin and gray and long, I, to quote Lindsay Lohan as Elizabeth Taylor in the Lifetime Biopic of her life, I'm bored, I'm so bored, fuck, 2020 took everything I thought I knew and everything I thought I loved and just took a, a a big ass shit on it. God damn it. I'd also just like to start by saying that we are in fact getting the Big Brother season that we deserve in 2020. So I shouldn't be surprised. I have never felt more burdened by watching full episodes of this show and the stakes have never been lower for me. I have no emotional investment in any of these people winning. And to be quite honest with you, I'm sad. Like, I'm sad that as fans of this show, we've fantasized about this season for like 14 years. I've been fantasizing about this season of this show since I was a teenager. And... It is a pile of shit. And I know that people have their theories as to why the why season is bad. Like, I think that there's many reasons that sort of add up to one big, like I said, just a sh- a shit pie of a season. And, you know, it is definitely being hailed as the worst season. And the- this is the Geely of Big Brother so far. And I know that, like, you know, CBS had a lot working against them in, in the casting of this show and You know, you have people not being able to do it because of coronavirus and people that they wanted to do it. Um, So there was a lot happening. But even with that being said, it's like these are the people that and not all of them, obviously not all of them, but a majority of them. I'm just like, what was the thought process? Like, what was the thought process in bringing fucking David back to the show? What were they thinking on an all-star season, you thought people would appreciate David coming back, then don't name it all-stars. Name it like Big Brother Returning. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because these are simply just people that have been on the show. Nothing about them warrants an all-star title. What I will say is that the most interesting thing this season did was bring up the conversation of new school versus old school. I think that's sort of been the biggest takeaway (laughs) from Big Brother All-Stars 2, and it's unearthed, you know, some really big flaws in the way people choose to play this game in more recent years. So that's something that I do want to get into and I want to talk about. I think it's maybe the most interesting study of the season, and it's, it's the best that we're going to get. Since the start of this season, the main conversation surrounding this show has been you know, the old school players and how different they play versus how the new school players play. And I think prior to this season, it would have been more difficult to really nail down, you know, the specific differences. I think people would have theories as to what separates them. But now it's become very glaring. So glaring that I think it will impact the show forever, I can't imagine people are going to go on this show again. Actually, you know what? Maybe they will. Maybe, maybe Big Brother fans just don't learn. We just don't learn. But maybe people will go back on the show and form big, giant, you know, groups of eight as an alliance, all white people, and just vote out minorities the whole time. Maybe that will happen. Because <laughs> I would like to think that we, like, learn from our mistakes, but clearly not. And for the past like seven or eight years, we have seen this reoccurring theme of, you know, big groups of people getting together and they form this, like I said, this big massive alliance that dominates the house and steamrolls over everybody so that they have absolutely no chance at winning unless they win their own HOH. And then after that, they're still fucked. There's just no possibility at them doing anything unless they just fight the whole time you know, tooth and nail to stay. The big giant group wins HOH every week, and then they choose who they're going to put up, and then they put those people up, and they're usually minorities, and then, you know, somebody from the big group wins a veto, and they send them home. Or somebody who isn't in the group wins a veto, and they just put in another minority, and then that minority goes home. It's literally, like, it's so predictable and boring, and it's crazy, it's like, I understand that these people want to win money, but bitch, you are also on a fucking television show, Cody, you are on TV, well, I understand you're being, like, I'm gonna get into it later, but it's like, I understand that you're like being coached by Derek to lay low and not do anything, you are on television, sir, we're bored, <laughs> we're bored, And the most annoying thing about the group is that they are usually super, super fucking white and they have all of the most annoying big brother cliches in the group. All of the annoying meathead jocks and the hot girls who attach themselves to meathead jocks. And then they have the friends of people like Tommy, you know what I mean? Like the friends of that just are sort of like along for the ride until they, you know, until they aren't. And I guess this season is a little bit different because everyone here for the most part has a significant other or they all know each other prior to the game. So there's no showmances or like hooking up. There's no, you know, Jackson fucking two girls in one season or Jack pinning fucking whatever that, whatever her fucking, what was that That girl's name Anne Marie. I don't even fucking remember Annalise. I had to pause and look it up. Annalise, there's no Jack pinning Annalise up in the shower and eating her out or whatever in the HOH room every single day and then coming downstairs and bragging about it. Unfortunately, there's none of that. So, you know, there's no showmance moments happening this season, which I guess even it may add to why it's boring. Like it's already really boring. And then you also don't even have any showmances. And for the most part, the showmances in that group always look like just full-on, like, teen movie villains and their girlfriends. You know what I mean? They're, like, teen movie bullies from the early 2000s and their girlfriends that are in, like, pleated denim skirts and, like, wedge flip-flops. What I will say is that the most interesting thing about this season is that, I mean, you can feel the audience growing more and more frustrated with this trope every year, And I think this year it feels like, I don't know, like the climax of that or something. Like this is the zip being popped where people are like, no, enough. We're done. Like, no, I'm not enough. I'm not going to watch a group of people steamroll the house for eight. Like I can't. It's so boring. But I think this season, the reason it's sort of like come to a head is because you do have this other side of the house that is just simply not used to playing that way. Janelle and Kaser and Danny, like, they all come from an era of Big Brother where that was not a thing. Like, they are are all people who are used to either playing, like, a lone wolf game, or if you are aligned with people, there aren't seven of them, there aren't seven people in your alliance because it's so illogical and stupid and boring. You know what I mean? It just sets up this weird, like, Downton Abbey energy in the house where you're either a have or a have not. And I'm not talking about slop. You know what I mean? Like, I, like to the people outside of this big alliance, they are the boiler room guests of the Titanic, you're just a have-not. You are not you are not worthy of this popular group of people. It's been so fascinating and so frustrating to watch people like Cody and even Bailey fight so hard against the idea of playing this game any other way than what they've seen in the past 7 years. And for most of them it has been to their detriment. Like Bailey left because She was afraid to do something other than try and get into the big group. And I guess I understand it because, you know, while you're there, like, if I'm not in the big group, that means I'm probably going to go home whenever they feel like sending me home and I'm not going to have the numbers to stay. But it's like, why not try and fight against it? Why not try and team up with the people who aren't in the group? And, oh, I don't know, send those people home you know, fighting back or whatever. <laughs> I don't understand. For me, this entire season can be summed up in one throwaway conversation. And I don't remember if I mentioned this the last time we talked about Big Brother. But this was a conversation between Janelle and Bailey. This was around the time that Memphis had just won HOH. And Janelle or Caser were obviously going to be leaving and Bailey was advising Janelle on what she should do and what she should say and what her next move should be. And she basically told her to go upstairs, kiss Memphis's ring, and ask him what he wants to happen. Ask him the wishes of the HOH. And this confused Janelle on account of her being an actual all-star. <laughs> so she was like, well, why the fuck would I go upstairs and ask him his wishes? What, what, what is that? Like, she comes from a generation of people who would never do something like that on this show because it's pathetic. It's really degrading. Only recently has this become a thing. So Janelle couldn't wrap her head around it and she was saying, like, you know, I come from a time where when you won HOH, usually the entire house would do everything they could to make sure the person you wanted to go home doesn't go home. Because, hi, you don't want to help the HOH go, go further in the game. I just, I don't, I don't understand. But when she asked Bailey the logic behind it, Bailey couldn't give her an answer. And she said, It's just what you're supposed to do. It's just what you're supposed to do. It's just how it is. What does that even mean? Outside of the rules of this game, Nothing is just supposed to happen like that. Like, you're supposed to go upstairs and and just crawl inside the HOH's anal cavity because he won a fucking blinko competition. No. So, I'm getting. I'm actually. I might be too invested. I said at the beginning of the episode that I wasn't emotionally involved, but it's clearly not true. I just love this show so much. And I love this game so much. And it's just so 2020 that this is what is happening and I I, you know spoiler alert we're now going to be talking about the cast I thought what would be interesting would uh would be to just kind of go down the list and revisit everybody and just kind of see where my thoughts are with the cast in comparison to where they were at the beginning of the season because I was much more optimistic a month ago um So, yeah, I guess we can just go ahead and do that now. Let's start with this season's very clear villain, April Fool's Day, aka National Cheeseburger Day, aka Memorial Day, aka Christmas Joy. Coming into this house, Christmas had to already be one of the most disliked cast members by far, right? If not the most disliked. And I told you guys at the beginning of the season that I was not a Christmas fan, obviously. I'm a human person, so of course I'm not. But I could understand the curiosity around casting Christmas, specifically based around the fact that she was this, like, CrossFit champion that they casted to, like, you know, Xena Warrior Princess the season, and then she broke her foot and was immobile. Like, I understand the, the producers being like, well, now would be a good time to, like, you know, unleash Christmas on the house. And so far, Christmas has done everything I would expect her to do. She's self-obsessed. She's self-righteous. She's a narcissist who loves nothing more than hearing herself talk about her fucking lifestyle brand. And I hope that you know what I mean when I say this, but Christmas is very much the girl who grew up around a bunch of fucking good old boys if you know what I mean, like she's like a Texas girl and you can just feel that she was raised around a bunch of men like Memphis. Like he's her idea of what it means to be a man, I feel. So it makes a lot of sense to me that they work so well together and, you know, she's super submissive to him and she tells him everything and she's constantly seeking his approval and It's just so pathetic and so like, ugh! it makes you want to throw up in your mouth. And to be fair, she does have that relationship with a few people in the house, like all men, like she tells Enzo all of her secrets and she tells Tyler, I mean, her and Tyler have a final two, obviously, but the way she allows Memphis to talk down to her without batting an eye or questioning it is very telling of who she is as a person to me. The one gift that Christmas gave us this year, and that's pun intended for sure, was her fight with Devon. It was amazing. And watching Devon do things like slam the uh, yard door in her face and walk past her and scream, shut the fuck up. It was really, really amazing. <laughs> it was really, really incredible. Um, unfortunately, I do think Christmas is going to go super far in this game. Like, I, I just, I think that she is truly the Big Brother cockroach that we're not going to get rid of. I think she's going to go super far. I obviously don't think she would win. Uh, I don't think the devil himself would vote for Memphis or Christmas to win Big Brother, but I could see her going pretty far. If I were in that house, I would bring Christmas or Memphis with me to the end because it's a guaranteed win. Hitler could sit next to Memphis and he would win Big Brother this season. Let's skip over to David. <laughs> David's presence in the house goes from being very silly and dumb to frustrating to really annoying and then back to silly and dumb. Like it does that for me almost every day. He's totally harmless, but him being there put a real damper on so much potential gameplay that it made me resent him, if that makes sense, because he just didn't know what he was doing. And I said it before, I'll say it again, David was not cut out for this at all. If anything, I think the producers put him in a terrible, terrible position where he just every week looked like a bumbling fool. He looked so stupid every single day. And David, I think, is the perfect example of not judging a book by its cover because it's so often, especially with black men on reality TV, that they're cast as one specific thing, and, I mean, last year, you would have literally thought that, like, Bobby Brown himself was in the house, like, you would have thought that David was this wild, crazy personality who was super offensive and abrasive and did all kinds of crazy shit to people to rub them the wrong way, this guy barely speaks above a mumble, David is the ultimate beta, in my opinion, like, He is someone who needs to be led. He is not a leader. And that's not to say that I don't think he's smart. I think he's a smart guy um, outside of this house. But I also think he's very passive and extremely docile, to be honest. He's just sort of like an airhead, sweet guy with an incredible ass. Can we talk about David's ass? I mean, hands down one of the best asses in the history Big Brother. It's unbelievable. Just Google it. It is, it should be, I mean, it should be dipped in gold. It is perfection. So aside from that, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what, what else there is to say about David, to be honest with you. I guess we'll always have some resentment towards him because I sort of, not 100%, obviously, but I sort of blame him for the reason that Davon is sitting in the jury house right now. I think him being there just threw a wrench in all kinds of shit, all kinds of things that could have been great, weren't great because David was there just like Mr. Magooing about. And I think he really fucked up Davon's game. I think her not voting him out when she had the opportunity to weeks ago was a huge mistake for her because he was he's just a mess he's just he was a fucking mess I do hope that I don't see David on my tv screen again for whatever reason unless he is modeling some Calvin Klein boxer briefs or something then we can negotiate contracts but until then I think that I've had enough David for several summers thank you CBS all right moving on again what is there to say about Strong Island What is there to say about Strong Island Nicole? Nicole was a hot mess this fucking year. She was a hot ass mess. It was, again, it was too soon for Nicole to be in the house. She had just played and she admitted herself that she had not fully, you know, acclimated to the outside world. I think it takes a really long time to figure out life after leaving the Big Brother house and a single year is just simply not enough time. Um, You know, she talked about having these really extreme panic attacks that would lead to like convulsion. Um, She told this really sad story about how one day she was getting out of the shower and she was so used to like having to cover up her body when she got out of the shower that she got out and she forgot. And she had a complete like mental lapse breakdown because she thought that she was naked on camera and her family had to like wrap her in a towel, and calm her down, and, you know, like, just a lot of psychological PTSD shit that I don't think you just shake off after leaving the house. I think it takes a long time. I highly doubt we'll see Nicole again anytime soon or ever again. It would have been nice to see her in, like, four years, you know? It would have been so nice to see Nicole as, like, a four, a a more developed adult person, because she was very, like, childlike, And she did sort of come into her own a little bit, but, you know, it just would have been nice to see some growth. I also think she, I mean, obviously sealed her fate by not listening to Janelle and Kaser who were actively trying to save her. She went around the house bad-mouthing them, which I think just shows you how emotionally immature she still is. Like her natural instinct was to... with the larger, more popular side of the house because she felt accepted. Even though none of those people valued her or truly wanted to work with her at all. She was completely disposable to all of those people and the only people in the house that really, really cared about her as a game player were Janelle and Kaser. Oh, God. Let's talk about Danny. We just lost Danny in the triple eviction. Um... She was truly honestly our last hope for any real form of entertainment on the show this year. Danny played very, very hard this season, but I commend her for at least trying to make things interesting, Cody. <laughs> Even though I I didn't necessarily agree with a lot of Danny's gameplay this year, I could at least like rationalize like watching her, I could rationalize how in her warped sense of reality in the house, she was doing the things that she was doing. I guess I kind of got it. Like people were really mad about her wanting to split Bailey and Davon up, but I knew she just wanted, she wanted Davon to herself. And she wanted to have her cake and eat it too. She wanted to have her Nicole, which was really, you know, Danny is to Nicole as Bailey is to Devon, you know, she wanted to have her cake and eat it too. She wanted best friends on both sides to be protecting her and looking out for her. And, you know, that was a super weird, selfish thing to do. But in her warped gameplay brain, I guess I could kind of see why she was doing it. I do think working, sorry, I can't even pretend that I, I just, found. I just got a TMZ alert that Donald Trump has coronavirus and I am like... I don't even know what, like, I, I, I don't even know what to say. Like, I don't even know what words to speak. I'm just truly blown away. I got to put down my phone. Okay, let me get through this episode. Sorry. Anyway, I will say that I think, um, Danny obsessively coming after Janelle at the beginning of the game was... Not good for her because all it did was make Danny herself a way bigger target than what she probably would have been if Janelle was there. Danny was laying low while Janelle was there, kind of. She was still messy, but as soon as Janelle left, it was like, oh, has anybody noticed that Danny is one of the messiest players in the history of the game and drops little bombs and plants seeds of doubt to make us all fight? Does anybody notice that? Like, it was just, it was really stupid on her part. I also think being so publicly against Tyler was terrible for her because to quote her from earlier in the season, like if you're going to go after Tyler, you got to get him before he gets you. And you didn't get him. I I mean, I, I don't, we'll talk about Tyler here in a minute, but it's like, my God, like the amount of times that these people had the opportunity to get Tyler out of the house is insane. And you didn't get him, And he got you. Tyler got her. And that's gotta be the most. I know that she's sitting in the jury house right now, drunk on red wine and sulking and talking shit. I can't even imagine. To end things with Danny, I will say that it's really funny that Nicole and Danny have been having these conversations for the past couple weeks about how terrifying it is that they're the only girls. It sucks, boy. It just sucks. That they're the only girls in the house, and it's like, are you out of your fucking minds? You have voted out every woman on the block and worked tireless tirelessly to get them all gone. Like, I, 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 the hypocrisy, I cannot. Let's talk about Cody. Cody very clearly is going to win Big Brother. Like, I wish they would just give him the check now, so we don't have to wait weeks to watch it happen. Because it's like I'm, I'm so bored. I can't imagine what the next few weeks are going to be like with those people left in the house. Are you kidding? CBS is canceled. Like the, the subscription is canceled. Any live feed footage I see will be from YouTube. It's over. It's over. <laughs> like done. I, I, I cannot even imagine paying money to watch Cody Calafiore have conversations with Enzo. Kill me are you kidding or memphis anyway cody is like cody is the guy that we all went to high school with we all know cody we all went to high school with cody and cody was good looking and financially secure and good at all the sports and could fuck any girl he wanted and he made people feel like shit in gym class because he would do the most pull-ups every fucking week or whatever And he wore his letterman's jacket through school, like through the hallway all day and was a complete moron. But just so happened to be really, really nice, genuinely. So you couldn't even hate him because he genuinely was a nice guy. And the acknowledgement of Cody also brings up a much larger conversation in the fact that his best friend, Derek, has pissed all over this season of Big Brother without being there. There's been a lot of talk surrounding Derek and his, you know, pre season coachings of everybody that he's friends with and all these pre season alliances. Just all this fucking cheating bullshit going on. And it's made it very clear that Derek is like, yeah, he's pulling he's pulling the strings in a sense because Cody is just playing like a watered down sort of generic version of Derek's game. And I guess the thing that I find the most interesting about Cody is that much like David, he too is a beta. Cody is the furthest thing from a leader, but he's constantly put in leadership positions. And because of that, he constantly has to show his cards all the time because he's not he's not strong like he's not like a a real independent thinker like he's really dumb and <laughs> he relies on other people to sort of think for him um and he's con- i mean he's constantly proving that he's all bark and no bite all bark and no bite anytime you hear Cody go on one of his classic Should I call it out? You want me to call it out? I'm going to call it out. I don't give a fuck. I'll fucking call it out. I'll call it out after veto. You can guarantee none of it's going to happen. It is safe to assume he will do none of what he's saying. He will, without any doubt, tuck his tail between his legs and cower away. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, and I actually, I applaud Cody for this. Like, I think that it's, it's why he's so good at this game. At the end of the day, Cody's strengths lie in being charming, in being funny, in being nice, in being non-threatening. He's the complete opposite of his brother, you know, where Paulie is like, you know, he's like an ape, like he's always beating on his chest. He's short, so, so he's always proving how, you know, masculine and macho he can be. You know, he is the complete opposite of his brother. And Cody knows that. Like, Cody knows that those are his charms. Cody knows that he's not gonna get anywhere in this house by trying to be a tough guy. He's not a tough guy. He's a sensitive, sweet guy who presents as tough. I thought Cody's argument with Kevin was super interesting because as a gay man, I could relate to what Kevin was saying to him and how he was feeling um, how do I explain this? The thing about being gay is that you were born with this superpower where almost immediately you can see through straight male bullshit. You see all of the things that other people don't see. And it's really hard to explain. I mean, it's like, you can see, like there's toxic masculinity, masculinity that lives on the surface that's obvious and, and very apparent to, I mean, Ray Charles could look at you and tell, but there's also this toxic masculinity that, <laughs> me that lives underneath the surface. It's like a deep, a deep, deep rooted toxicity. And like, as a gay man, it takes, I mean, literally seconds to feel that from other men because you're both men, but you come at being a man in completely different ways, you know? And sometimes I feel like straight men who are super homophobic, they hide behind being a like, how do I say this? Straight men who are super homophobic, I think sometimes feel too seen by gay men. In my experience, men that I've known who were super homophobic were extremely uncomfortable around me, not because I was gay, but because I would look at them. And in the words of Candy Burris, we see each other. Like, I see you. You know what I mean? I see all of your insecurities. I see you putting on a macho act for people. I see you saying that you only listen to certain kinds of music and saying that you only drink certain kinds of beer and saying that you won't wear certain things because you are white knuckling it every day to appear As this, like, macho tough guy, and I see it, and your girlfriend doesn't see it, and your mom doesn't see it, and your sisters don't see it, and your other guy friends who are also doing the same thing don't see it, but I see it, and that's the thing. And I could feel that energy happening between Kevin and Cody because I think Kevin looks at Cody and sees him as sort of a snake in the grass because he knows that Cody knows. That he's charming, if that makes sense. Cody is very self-aware. He knows that he's charming. And it never really gets brought up, the fact that Cody plays this like really good social game. And I think Kevin was just giving him a we-see-each-other moment, to be honest. And I feel like my theory is proven by the fact that all the girls in the house are always like, I don't know why anybody wouldn't like Cody. He's so nice. He's so sweet. He's literally the nicest guy ever. Danny and... Nicole talk about it all the time. How could you not like him? He's so sweet. He's such a nice guy. And it's like that's the whole gig. that him being a sweet, gorgeous, nice guy almost won him the game last time. And Cody very clearly doesn't like that his charms are so nonstick when it comes to Kevin. Like all of his usual usual charms that get him through everything. they don't work on Kevin. And Kevin is constantly saying, that he thinks Cody is annoying because he thinks he's so charming. You know what I mean? It's just hilarious to me. And it's also funny because Kevin is not, you know, Kevin is 40. He's a grown ass man. He is partnered. He's not Frankie Grande. So as much as I'm sure he would like to massage Cody's butt cheeks and cuddle him in bed and make jokes about getting gang banged by him, He's able to fully see beyond all of those things and see Cody for what he is. And I think that's really interesting. And low-key, one of the most interesting relationships and dynamics of the season that was not really explored that much. Speaking of Kevin, he stood absolutely no chance at winning this season. Kevin's social game at the beginning of the season was absolutely abysmal. And it never really got better. He sort of waited until the end to really start game talking with people like for the most part he didn't really game talk or forge really intense connections with people he just mostly talked about like bullshit like he I don't know he he was really weird at the beginning he wouldn't like connect with people I think Kevin is a really nice guy but I think I said in the previous episode that he's not somebody I would have chosen to come back to play again it just feels like kind of a wasted slot like Kevin got really far his season, but I don't know. I just wasn't really expecting much. And what I got was sort of what I thought I was going to get. Um, He did a whole lot of moping around with his blanket cloaked around his head and a lot of whining about, you know, his position in the house and trying to play catch up, but never really knowing what was going on to the point that sometimes Devon and Bailey would be like, I don't have time to tell you every fucking thing going on in the house because I don't know what you do all day besides cloak in a blanket and like wine but like he I don't know it was just it was a lot for me this year to be honest I feel like every week I was rooting for Kevin we knew 10 years ago to just show up like I wanted the old Kevin that I knew back in the day that would disrupt the house and plant seeds and you know, create chaos. He was like the master of chaos back in the day. And I just don't, you know, 10 years is a long time, I guess. I don't know. I just feel like every week he sat around and and, and he got evicted or he would get nominated as he knew what was going to happen. And then he would just kind of like mope around and be upset and sad. And then uh he would beg to not be sent home and mope around a little bit more. He never really like strategized his plan when he was like trying to stay he just moped around and whined about not wanting to leave clearly wasn't a Kevin fan this year like I need to move on personally I think that we are looking at a Tyler and whoever else final two I think getting Tyler out of this game has been damn near impossible and it would just be such poetic justice if he did win because he's been given so many chances to go. And he also, by the way, wanted to leave one week. He literally begged production to let him leave and they wouldn't let him. And then he begged Christmas to send him home and she wouldn't allow him to go. So if he wins the game, that is karma. I hope that he wins all of the fucking coin. Um, He's playing a very sort of low key game and, the thing that I love the most about him is that Tyler is very unassuming, and, you know, like, when it comes to him engaging with other people, like, he sort of treats everybody the same, I and I never really know where Tyler's loyalties truly lie, because he talks to everybody the same, he's very sort of, like, even keel when it comes to his relationships in the house, and even though he spreads himself out, I think he's really, this year at least, I think he's really smart about the way he sort of chooses to come at people. I don't know. I like Tyler. I like him. I would hang out with Tyler. I think he seems really cool. And I guess that's his whole gig. Like he's He just goes into the house and pretends to be kind of airheaded and dumb. And he's sweet and he's cute. And that's his thing. He's very disarming, so he makes you feel like you can... Totally let your guard down around him and talk to him about things, but he never really gives up information, you know? He just kind of, like, like you'll sit there and spill your guts to him for an hour and cry and shit, and he'll give you the, like, the classic, like, yeah, it's crazy, you know? Like, nothing. He gives you absolutely nothing, but they never realize it. They never realize that he's not actually giving information back. Let's talk about Bailey. Um, I really fell in love with Bailey this season. I've always found Bailey to be sort of irritating and then she became a cast member on the challenge and I really I warmed up to her a lot on the challenge she's not my favorite player by far but I do appreciate how fucking smart and quick she is I love anybody who knows how to creatively string words together and her brain clearly works really fast like I just like I respect her more now than I ever did um I'm going to be honest with you, not the popular opinion, but I found her gameplay really irritating. I could not for the life of me understand why she was so against working with Janelle and Kaser. I guess she wasn't so against it because she was the one trying to convince Davon to do it. But it's like, I don't know. I just, I don't get, I don't get it. I just don't, I don't get at the point that she started being really mean to Kaser and, you know, defensive and telling him that he's being condescending by telling her that she's going home when she so clearly is going home the following week. It all just rubbed me the wrong way. And I know that when you're in the house, obviously you can't see all sides. And she's since said, like, obviously I was an idiot for not listening to Kaser, but it was really frustrating to watch because it's like, how could you have played this game not that long ago? You know how things typically go. You have sort of aligned yourself with this big group of people that you know is not going to work out. And how could you possibly think that they have your best interests? It's insane. I don't know. I was just really frustrated by the fact that she wouldn't work with uh, with Janelle and her, and basically, in a nutshell. And she was so unwilling to change her way of thinking. And I just found that really hard to watch. But... I mean she gave us some of the most dramatic and best moments of the season. I found her relationship with Davon to literally be like I want the spinoff of their road trip to like Vegas or whatever. I love them together. I have a lot more to say about Davon obviously a little bit later, but I don't know. I'm sure we'll still ba- see Bailey again. I liked Bailey more on The Challenge to be honest than I did here because on the t- Bailey is explosive and She's got a really big, fiery personality, and she was better suited for the challenge because there you don't have to pretend to not be fiery. Oh, let's talk about, let's get it out of the way. Let's talk about Nicole Franzel. Oh, Nicole, 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 Nicole. What are we going to do with Nicole Franzel? Um. Okay, so here's the one positive thing that I will say about Nicole before I like read her for filth. She is, how do I word this? She's as annoying as we already thought she would be, no? <laughs> Isn't she as annoying as you thought she would be? She's not like exceeding our expectations when it comes to being annoying, right? <laughs> um, I mean, she, honestly, she's doing exactly what we thought she would do. All of the things that I expect Nicole to do on Big Brother, she's doing them. It's literally as if she's going down a Nicole Franzel like big brother checklist and she's marking all the things off. Target women week to week. Check. Damsel yourself and align yourself with men that will protect you. Check. Find ways to victimize yourself and use that to basically manipulate your friends to hate people that you don't like. Check. You know what I mean? The only difference is that this year she is engaged as we all know so she can't uh she can't showmans her way to the end so she has to like actually play or whatever but yeah i mean nicole's doing all the nicole shit that i expect for me the most frustrating thing about nicole always has been and always will be that she doesn't own her shit that is what's annoying about nicole it doesn't bother me that nicole whines because A lot of the stuff about her, I remember when I first was introduced to her, I found it very charming. I thought Nicole was so funny and so charming for like a week. And then I got to know her and I was like, oh, she's vomitrocious, horrendous. But the most annoying thing about her is that she does stuff and she doesn't own it. And her only concern is that she comes off as a likable victim all the time And it's like, girl, do you not realize you are on TV? When you tell people in the house stuff that you're going to plan on saying to the camera that's fake, we hear you. I don't, she's done this three times. Does she not know how it works? I don't understand. I don't, I really honestly don't get it. It's like Nicole is, Nicole is a fucking bitch. Let's be honest. Nicole can be a very mean bitch. But she's so like, I guess, used to hiding behind being a sweet sort of dorky girl with pig t- blonde pigtails and big dorky glasses that she's got to push up on her nose um, that that's just what she leans into. And it's all she's ever known. And, you know, it, it, I think it's frustrating. I think it's frustrating to people. And it's insane that on her third attempt at trying to play this game, she hasn't learned what people don't like about her yet. Something so easy to change. Just stop being fake. I don't know. I got to move on from Nicole too. 2020 is like, I we got what we deserved on Big Brother, as I've said before. Nicole was what we deserved in 2020. Listening to her, and then she's going to make it the whole way. You know she is. She's going to wind her way to the end and then get to the fucking final episode and talk about how everything she did was not her fault. It wasn't my fault. I felt really bad, but it was too late to say anything. And I do really want to win. And the whole part of playing this game is you have to backstab. And that sucks, boy. But... let us You know that that's what it's going to be. And it's going to be so annoying. And we're all going to hate it. And that bitch may fucking win. Who knows? Okay, moving on. So... I've been calling Memphis the Hank Hill of Big Brother this season. He is Clint Eastwood, get off my lawn, energy, the house down. He's a mean, racist, curmudgeonly old man. He's pompous. He's narcissistic. He talks down to people. He talks down to women. He's extremely tone deaf. And it's amazing to me that someone can come on this show knowing the conversation surrounding it since BB-15 and see no harm in obsessively targeting the only black male cast member. And I know that Kevin is also black, but let's be real. Memphis doesn't see Kevin as black at all. He just doesn't because he's an ignorant fuck. So for the sake of seeing things through his crow's feet eyes, he is obsessively targeting This docile, mumbling guy who doesn't even know who he is. (laughs) David has no idea who Memphis is because he's never seen Big Brother. And each week he's blaming all of this on the fact that David is a rookie. Give me a fucking break. Are you kidding? The first couple weeks I could see it, it's like, yeah, it's annoying that this kid is here who literally is like just mucking up the joint with us having to teach him what a veto is and shit but come on, like, come on, you're almost, the season's almost done, and you're still blaming it on him having no prior knowledge of the game, come the fuck on, there is absolutely no chance in hell Memphis will win this season of Big Brother, he could be sitting in that chair next to a literal bucket of Big Brother slop. And the slop would win by a unanimous vote. Like, let's be all the way 100% with each other. He's not winning. Christmas is not winning. The only way those two will win this game is if they're sitting next to each other. And that that's their only bet. If, if somebody is forced to choose one of them, then they'll win. Those two against anybody in that house is not going to win. And I would include Nicole in that, honestly. Okay, let's move on to, let's talk about Enzo. So Enzo is very interesting. And if you want my pick for who I think will win Big Brother, I'm betting money on Enzo. Because if you think about it, Enzo has no bad blood anywhere with anybody, not in jury and not in the house. And he's proven this season that he is capable of winning comps. His problem the last time he played was that he didn't really win much of anything, but his social game was like beyond, uh, like off the charts. And I would say it's actually even better this year. And I think the thing that I love about Enzo is that he's so openly aligned with Cody, but he's positioned himself in the house as the one you can have real conversations with as opposed to Cody, where he'll just blow smoke up your ass. And, you know, he's the more trustworthy one of the two. And in the house, there's nobody actively coming after him. Nobody. Nobody wants Enzo to leave. Nobody really talks shit about Enzo this whole season. Nobody has really said anything really negative about Enzo at all. Like, he is sort of cool enough with everybody that they feel like they've talked game with him. You know, and it's like super important to him that... You know, the people who stay in the house are people who actively talk game to him. And I think that that's like a a decent reason to vote people out. And it's genuine from him. It's not just like an excuse. Yeah, I mean, Enzo, if I'm being honest, he's really grown on me a lot this season. And I really appreciate how aware he is of how shitty the season is. Like, I think that's funny. And... He's as bored as we are with this shitty season of Big Brother. Somehow, Enzo randomly became the Bethany Frankel of Big Brother. He's like the Greek chorus now. And I'm okay with it. Let's talk really quickly about Janelle. Because Janelle was leaving the house the last time I recorded a Big Brother episode. So I don't have any major updates because she left the week that I put out that episode. Um, What I will say is that Janelle has gone on... (laughs) One of the most iconic post-Big Brother season press cycles I think I've ever seen. If you're bored and you haven't seen any of Janelle's post-Big Brother interviews, I'm telling you, just literally type Janelle's name into YouTube. Like, her Entertainment Tonight interview was fucking insane. Um, she was on Daniel Reyes' podcast. She's amazing. Like, I, it's Janelle. You know what I mean? Like, I don't—it goes without saying— and I really love that Janelle has leaned into her status as the queen of Big Brother. Um, I, I just appreciate her like happily taking the crown and like running with it in such a it's a, a fun way. Her Twitter feed right now is nothing short of iconic. Her interviews about Nicole have been incredible, and she's thriving in her like Christian Louboutins and her cocktail dresses, selling real estate in in minnesota and i'm rooting for her um i will say it's incredibly disheartening knowing that this was probably the last time janelle will ever be on the show that really really hurts me deep deeply i think unless big brother does some sort of offshoot this is what i would i would pray because this was so shit i would hope that in a few years not anytime soon because we just need new people next year I would love to see Big Brother do some sort of offshoot, kind of like Big Brother OTT, like a like a like the All-Stars-We-Should-Have-Had moment, where they like name it something different, or they put it on during winter, or whatever, you know what I mean? I think that would be amazing, and yeah, I don't know. Also, by the way, speaking of OTT, I would have loved to have seen one person from Big Brother over the top. Why not? Why not shake it up? Jason was an incredible winner of Big Brother. We have a gay winner of Big Brother who won not that long ago, and he gets overlooked because he won the spinoff of Big Brother, which is literally just Big Brother during a different season. Another rant, another time, another day, but I'm just saying. Anyway, speaking of Janelle, I think now would be an appropriate time to move on to Kaser. Kaser is the man we all dream of ending up with one day. Like if we're incredibly lucky and do all the right things, we end up with a man like Kaser. I'm so happy I got to witness daddy Kaser. I'm here for it. I love it. I welcome it. I want more of it. <laughs> um, And I'm just, I don't know. I'm also just happy that Kaser was able to shake up the house for the short amount of time that he was there. I honestly in my dreams, I wish that he would have just gone ham. I wish that he, w- and I'm sure he does too. I'm sure that he lays in bed at night and thinks, God damn it, I should have just fucking went berserk, right? Like I should have just, with integrity, because he has kids and shit and, you know, he's like a really good, he's a family man, but like just created some pure pandemonium in hell. Expose people's secrets, call people out, make, you know, call call house meetings, uh, stir up fights, break people up, like, really go berserk, it's what I wish he would have done, his eviction speech was amazing, I just wish that we had gotten that energy for, like, the whole week prior, you know, because he knew he was leaving, and again, I know we'll never see Kaser in the house again, and that makes me really sad, and that, you know, knowing that his talents were wasted on a fucking HOH one by, like, was it Cody that sent him home, Ugh, I hate that. And if they ever do the weird spinoff Big Brother season that I'm praying they do, I would love to see him again. I'm not saying anything else about Keisha because there's nothing else to say. Keisha was evicted before I recorded my last episode. She was the first to go. Um, I think somebody else is running her Twitter because and I've heard that from other podcasts and on Twitter, people saying that because it doesn't sound like her at all. I don't know. I, I really liked Keisha, you know, 10 years ago. I don't know the woman that we got this year. You know, we're rooting for you, hun, and all that. Moving on, let's talk about Dr. Ian Teddy. Um, I don't know why, but for some reason, Ian's time in the house feels like a literal fever dream to me. Like, it feels like Ian was evicted like 20 weeks ago, and... I'm always going to be a fan of Ian Terry because I think he's incredibly underestimated. For some reason, I think people view Ian as this like docile, broken bird. But if you want to know the truth, I actually think that Ian was one of the most genuinely alpha male guys in the house. Ian doesn't, Ian is the complete opposite of Cody. He does not present alpha, but he internally is. Like in his spirit, he's a fucking alpha male. He is. He pretends to be docile and weak because it works for him in the house. And Ian is super confident in his abilities. He's very aware of the fact that he's smart and that people think he's smart. They view him as a smart guy and he doesn't pretend not to be, you know what I mean? Because why would you? And he's just unapologetic about who he is. And he's also willing to get his hands dirty where other people this season clearly aren't. And I just think it's hilarious because in the context of this game, Ian is somebody who people like Cody would look down on. And Cody was extremely condescending to Ian, the way that he would talk to him, like he was this weird little boy. Um, And it's like, Cody can barely fucking count and he's a giant pussy. And you know what I mean? Like Ian has way way bigger balls than him and if Ian had won HOH it would have been amazing in the previous Big Brother episode that I recorded I specifically remember talking about how much I learned about autism through Ian and it felt so nostalgic I remember saying like it feels you know really nostalgic to see Ian on the hammock because at the end of the day like it's Ian's hammock even if he's not on the season it's his you know And it just, um, it was just really cute, especially like, you know, in his times of anxiety, you know, when he needs to like calm down, he relies on the comforts of the hammock and how ironic that a month later, the hammock became a fucking TMZ article. Um, as you may or may not know, Memphis Christmas and Nicole, um, have had a lot to say about the way he chooses to deal with his stress specifically. Christmas and Memphis and this is why I'm always like this is why I hate cancel culture because it's like so Nicole the way that we okay let me just the way that we deal with it is always so sort of like weird and miss it doesn't really make sense and it's always kind of misplaced like Nicole got fired and she lost all of her jobs and all of her sponsorships because she laughed at Memphis's joke but Memphis and Christmas have been talking shit about Ian and how creepy and annoying and weird he is and how he's going to show up on their bed at night, rocking back and forth. And Memphis said she wanted to chainsaw his, his, uh, his hammock in half because he's so annoying with it, but nothing happens to Memphis. I mean, I guess because maybe people hate her so much already. Sorry. I meant Christmas. Nothing happens to Christmas. Like I know that her mugshot is already just like all over the place and people hate Christmas, but like she said, has said some really terrible things about him. And, you know, it's honestly just so telling of who they are as people, especially when you compare it to somebody like a Devon. Um, You know, she was by no means aligned with Ian and they weren't friends. But Devon had enough human decency and compassion for Ian that, you know, when she saw him freaking out pacing around having anxiety attacks turning red you know like his breath becoming short she would like literally tell him why don't you go like hang out on the hammock or if he was walking towards the hammock and she was on it she knew that it was because he needed it so she would get up happily and be like i knew that you needed it i could feel it just like a, a normal decent human person i don't know fuck memphis and fuck christmas when it comes to ian's gameplay this year um I think he would agree that he laid a little too low for too long. He floated under the radar for so long that when, you know, the idea of him going up on the block was out there, every single person in the house was like, well, yeah, he could go. None of us are really working with him. He didn't really form any alliances. He didn't, he really stayed out of the game for the most part. And I thought that was really weird. That was like a weird... It was like he, he like was a little too heavy handed with like laying low, I guess. And speaking of my iconic angel, let's end with a bang. What is there to say about Davon Rogers aside from absolutely everything? Davon is hands down the greatest thing to come out of this abysmal season of Big Brother. And when we look back on Big Brother All-Stars, she will be the silver lining without any question. This is going to sound like sarcasm when I say it out loud, but like know in your heart that I actually really feel it and mean it. I learn so much about being a better person from watching Devon on the live feeds. I really, I'm not kidding. Just the way she interacts with people, she's so honest and compassionate and naturally sort of nurturing and motherly to people, but at the same time, she's fiery and she's strong and she doesn't, like, take shit from people, and she's really, really, really fucking smart, and doesn't compromise or, you know, apologize for how smart she is, she just is smart, like, she can fucking string words together like a wordsmith, and she knows that, and that's her power, and she's just, ugh, she's really genuinely out of, I'm saying this, like, out of true, like, I'm being honest. (laughs) Uh, She's one of my favorite reality TV stars in the history of the format. I think that she was made to be on TV. And I know that she wants to like act, act like she teaches acting and she loves like Shakespeare and all that stuff. But like Davon is just such a good reality TV star. Now, when it comes to her gameplay, I wish to God that Davon would have won that fucking HOH because she was so close and it would have flipped the remainder of the season. That would have been the moment, sort of like last year when Jessica won HOH and they finally got to target the six and it saved the show. That would have been the moment. That was the moment. And she was so close. I will say that I've noticed in watching Davon play this game three different times and watching her on the live feeds. This thing happens to Devon a few weeks into playing where she starts to overthink things. And once that happens, like she never, she never is able to take the reins and pull it back. It just spirals and continues until she's gone. And she starts looking at everything completely backwards and she starts misinterpreting everything. And it's painful to watch because she's super smart and she normally has such a good read on people and what's going on. But then once she loses it, it just kind of snowballs. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger until she has no idea what's happening. And um, I don't know. I just, uh, I really, I agree with Julie Chen. I really hope that we see Devon every single time they ask her to come back. I hope she does. I never get sick of seeing her play. I think every time she comes on this show, people love her more and more i'm so excited for her to leave and see a how much people hate the season and b how much they love her just how much she's been embraced by big brother twitter and just by the world i don't know davon we are rooting for you hun um i don't know what else to say about this season of big brother i'm i'm so sad and so disappointed and I'm just like, I can't believe that I've been waiting to watch this season since I was 15. And what I'm watching is David bumble around the house like Mr. Magoo. It's just, it's sad. But I think, um, yeah, I'm going to end it here and I will see you guys again during finale night unless something really crazy happens. I, I, I have nothing off to, left to say, uh, But yeah, maybe we'll talk again about the show during the finale. And uh, yeah, that's it. I love you guys. Thank you so much for allowing me to go on this uh, hour and four minute long tangent. And we will be back next week with more spooky content. I am going to be doing, I still know what you did last summer with Sunik. And uh, yeah, that's it. Bye. Thank you for listening to Dunzo. This podcast is a part of the Solid Listen Network. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. Also, be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash solidlisten for exclusive content. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy McEady, and you can follow the podcast on all forms of social media at DunzoPod. That's D-U-N-Z-O. Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew.